0: Coming up on Locked On Dodgers. The Dodgers played two games on Tuesday, but they were not even close to the biggest baseball story of the day. We're going to talk about the two starting pitchers for the Dodgers in their split squad games. And we're going to talk a lot about the WBC WBC finale, which was thrilling and awesome and exciting and a lot to talk about there, including some of the not so thrilling and awesome analysis thereof afterwards. That's what's on tap. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you'll never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My normal co-host is Vince Semperio, but Vince has been covering the World Baseball Classic for work, and with the finale tonight... Uh, he is busy doing post-game stuff, so it's just me today. Uh, Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we're bringing the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. And we're also both huge baseball fans. Just, you know, we're, we're Dodger fans, but we're baseball fans too. And so uh, but Vince and I have both been following the World Baseball Classic really closely. Uh, Vince had to for work, but he would have anyway, at least until... Uh, Mexico got eliminated because that was his team. Uh, and and I watched it because I love baseball. I, I've been following spring training too, but uh, my whole family got into the World Baseball Classic. So we are going to talk about that finale between the U.S. and Japan from Tuesday night. Uh, the last two segments of this episode will be about that. Uh, but first, I do want to talk about the two Dodger games that happened on Tuesday. Uh, the Dodgers got pounded by the Giants at Camelback Ranch in a game that Noah Syndergaard started. And the Dodgers beat the Guardians at uh, in Goodyear in a game that Clayton Kershaw started and uh, Kershaw was the winning pitcher. Syndergaard was a losing pitcher. That definitely tells some of the story, not the entire story, but uh, Kershaw pitched pretty well. He he gave up both runs that he allowed. He allowed two runs of five innings, which is solid. Uh, and both of those runs came on, on one swing of the bat. He gave up a two run double in the second inning. Other than that, he was uh, pretty darn efficient, pretty darn good. And uh, look, you know, Results don't matter that much. We preach that all the time in spring training. One of the things I'm most excited about, about the regular season starting, is to stop having to say results don't matter. Although I, I have been known to say uh, I don't worry too much about a loss in April, too. But uh, at least then the results actually count in the standings. Right now, results are literally the last thing on anybody's mind. And uh, it seems like Kershaw pitched well, came out of it healthy, and uh, yeah, I didn't get to watch it because that game wasn't televised. Uh, the the Dodgers network televised the Camelback Ranch game against the Giants and the Guardians network didn't televise anything. Thank you very much, Guardians. So uh, I didn't get to watch that one. Uh, I did get to watch the Syndergaard game and it was less impressive. Syndergaard gave up six runs uh, in four, four and a third, four and two thirds something innings. He wasn't as bad as that sounds. Two of the runs that he allowed uh, came in the second inning after he, they, they took him out of the game and then put him back in in the third because of pitch count. He didn't get hit very hard. There was an infield single. there. You know, It was just kind of some bloops and, and stuff. Not hit that hard, but couldn't get the he couldn't get the strikeouts was the big problem. What you want for Noah Syndergaard is strikeouts in that situation. They took him out. They brought in John Rooney, and uh, John Rooney walked a dude and then gave up a two-run hit. Uh, I don't think it tells us very much at all about what to expect from Noah Syndergaard that John Rooney gave up a two-run hit to a major league lineup. uh, But still, it wasn't Syndergaard's best game. And maybe the biggest takeaway there, because we're not focused on results, we're focusing on the actual performance. And uh, the biggest takeaway is that Syndergaard's velocity definitely didn't tick up, and it probably ticked down, at least at some points in the game. Uh, Fabian Ardai of The Athletic reported that he was sitting about 90 In the third inning, after he came back in, Um, he did get back up around 92 later in the game. But when when the Dodgers signed Syndergaard and early in the, you know, during the offseason, we were thinking the goal was going to be, and Syndergaard said, the goal was to get back to throwing 100 miles an hour. And he felt like the Dodgers pitching or coaching staff was the staff that could help him do it. And so we all kind of had dreams of, even when he started his first start this spring, throwing 92, 93, Think okay, first start of the spring. And then he took a step forward, the next start. And yeah, okay, he's going to get there. Well, he's not going to get there before opening day. I think we can say that for sure now, because he has one more start before opening day. Uh, He's not going to be throwing a hundred by the time the season starts. It doesn't mean he won't, but I'm definitely less optimistic by by this step back in velocity. And and to be fair, the weather was bad. Uh, Syndergaard said that he had little trouble uh, getting his footing everything and, and not he didn't even say it in an excuse sort of way it was just a you know they asked how it was and and he told them and so it's possible that that was a hundred percent of the reason for the downtick in velocity uh we, we don't really know but uh what we needed was an uptick if he was going to get to 100 before the season started yeah uh, and you know Syndergaard had a, had a perfectly fine season last year throwing mid-90s uh he averaged i think 94 last year Excuse me, and and he uh, he had a three ninety six three ninety four something ERA, which is okay for a fifth starter. You know, uh, if the Dodgers score enough runs for him, that could be reasonably effective. Uh, we do we really hope for more velocity, and and so for me, the one takeaway is that he's not going to get that velocity back before opening day. But the other takeaway is that's okay. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not going to come back. I I'm not as confident that it's going to as I was, you know, a month ago or even two weeks ago. Uh, but and we saw it last year with Julio. Remember Julio's velocity, the first couple of starts, people were talking about what's wrong with Julio? Is he broken? And then he ended up leading the league in ERA and his velocity came back and his stuff was great. You know, Julio has never thrown a hundred and he's never going to, but velocity ticked up during the season is the point. And so uh spring training is to get ready for the season, but the season is long and you're making a lot of tweaks and improvements throughout the season too, including getting more built up, getting stronger and everything. And so, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If Syndergaard's velocity continues to creep up over the first month or two of the season, I don't think he'll get to a hundred, but if, I mean, he, he could get to 96, 97. And I think Syndergaard at 96 or 97 could be extremely effective. Uh, he's got good off speed stuff. So, uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's a little disappointing that he's not going to get there in the spring and that realistically it's, he's not even going to, he's not going to be anything to be excited about coming out of spring training, but that's okay. I think he can hold his own and, and hopefully make some strides. And you know what, honestly, if he, if we get to June and he's still throwing 92, he's on a one-year contract. And that might be when the Dodgers say, all right, Thor, that was fun. Uh, you know, you, you want to stay in the dugout. We could do a, 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 how's that oblique hurting? Oh yeah. Oh, oblique. Well, rough man. All right. IL, uh, or, you know, do you want to go to another team? We'll, we'll try to trade you, but, uh, you know, that, that's still a couple months away, but maybe that is how we get an opening for a guy like Gavin Stone or Bobby Miller, uh, is if, if Syndergaard's velocity doesn't come back at all. Uh, but you know, there, there's a long time to tell. And I guess my main takeaway here is that spring, t- spring training isn't the end of progress. And so hopefully he will continue to uh, start taking steps forward again uh, when the weather gets better and, you know, get some of that velocity back. And we'll see. Uh, those are my takeaways from from Tuesday's games. You know, these don't matter. They went one on one, uh, gave up a lot of hits the, the Giants throughout. Kind of a major league lineup, it seemed like. And they even used Camilo Duvall in the ninth inning as, you know, closer, even though it was a 12 to 2 game or whatever. Uh, 12 to 1, I don't know, 14 to 1, 95 does nothing. It was a blowout. Uh, But, you know, it was, yeah, it was a game and I watched it and I got to watch baseball. And then later on, on Tuesday night, I got to watch a much more fun baseball game. And I'm going to talk about that when I come back. Japan beat the United States 3 to 2 in the World Baseball Classic finale. I'm going to talk about that game, including the the thrilling last inning. Uh, so thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, I am back. I want to thank you all for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. It really does mean a lot to us. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd love to hear your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. I'd uh, Love to hear your thoughts on Noah Syndergaard, uh, what I talked about, your thoughts on uh, the WBC, which I'm about to talk out. You know, Anything you want to tell, talk about, let's hear it. I uh, love reading your comments. If you're listening on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you through social media or email or whatever. I'll give you all that contact info at the end like I always do. World Baseball Classic. The finale was on Tuesday night. United States against Japan. Uh, the U.S. jumped out to a one nothing lead on yet another home run by former Dodger Trey Turner, his fifth uh, of the tournament. I believe it's fifth in the last four games. Uh, and and then unfortunately, uh, they didn't score again until the eighth inning. And uh, and Team Japan did. It was three to one. Uh, they had a couple home runs. Three to one going into the eighth inning top of the eighth, you Darvish pitching against Kyle Schwarber. And just like in last year's NLCS, Kyle Schwarber took Darvish deep, hit a home run to make it three to two. And uh, what that also did was set up the ninth inning by, by the United States getting uh, just enough hitters in the eighth inning that set things up for a pretty Epic matchup in the ninth inning. And uh, it's kind of funny the only part of the matchup that wasn't epic was the part that was actually successful for Team USA. Excuse me, hold on. Jeff McNeil led off the inning and he actually walked against Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani coming in to be the closer, he walked Jeff McNeil on just the closest pitch you'll ever see a three and two count. And this pitch was like a centimeter if that, below the strike zone. It was a beautiful pitch by Otani. Very easily could have been called strike three. It was the right call by the umpire, um, but it it was close. And uh, so McNeil went down to first base. That brought up Mookie Betts with Mike Trout on deck. And, uh, you know, obviously I was rooting for Mookie to do something big. I was rooting for Team USA, uh, but there was also part of me that when Mookie grounded into a double play, I thought, okay, this is how it should be. Otani against Trout, two outs in the ninth inning, one run game, where Trout could hit a home run to tie the game. Trout could strike out to end the game. You know, anything in between. Uh, but it was kind of, it was perfect. And then it got even more perfect when it went to a full count. Like, of course, it has to be a full count. And uh, Otani, he he had blown a couple fastballs by Trout, uh, hundred mile an hour fastballs that trout was just late on right down the middle. Like, and just, it was power versus power. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to try to get into trout's head. It's easy to say he was trying to hit a home run, trying to hit it a thousand feet. Um, Shohei Otani is a really good pitcher throws really hard. And, and so, uh, you know, it, it was power versus power. Awesome. He threw uh one really good slider that dropped just below the zone and I was telling my family, um, you know, Clayton Kershaw's slider is amazing, but the view that we get on television, we don't get to see the movement as much just because the cameras are offset on the third base side. And so some of the movement is moving towards the, towards the camera, if that makes sense, uh, from, from a left-handed pitcher. And so Kershaw's slider, the main way to tell that it's filthy is hearing hitters talk about it and watching hitters try to hit it and being very unsuccessful. Most of the time you don't really get to see a ton of the movement on it. You can see movement, but not the the way if you, if you can go back and watch this at bat Otani against trout and it was the, the ball that, that trout took just below the zone. Uh, and it was a slider and it was like, that thing was sharp and it broke and it was, it was a beautiful pitch. And, and uh, I don't know, the former pitcher in me, I just, I really enjoyed that pitch. And then Otani threw, you know, the best slider of his life uh, to end the game. He started it oh down the middle uh, and, you know, it's a full count. Trout's got to be thinking, he's coming at me with his fastball. He's already blown it by me twice. And he throws this slider that starts down the middle, ends up about two inches, three inches outside. Trout swings and misses. Game over, tournament over. Japan wins. Uh, jubilation for for Japan. Otani threw his hat, threw his glove. It was like Bruce Dar Gratterall after Cody Bellinger robbed Fernando Tatis of a of a home run in the twenty twenty NLDS. Except this time, there were no whiny crybabies on the other side to be whiny cryb- crybabies about it. Um, yeah, it, it it was it was awesome. I was rooting for Team, team USA, but I love Shohei Otani, and there's nothing not to like about Team Japan. And, and it was just, it was beautiful baseball. And, uh, you know, after, after Japan beat Mexico the other night, Benji Gill, team Mexico's manager said, uh, we lost the game, but baseball was the winner because it was such a good game. And that, that's kind of how I felt about this, the ending in a three to two score with two teammates, great friends, and two of the best players in baseball facing off and head to head and it ending. I mean, it was storybook. It was, if you had written, uh, how do you want this world baseball classic to end? It would have been with Mike Trout facing Shohei Otani. And whether it was a Mike Trout homer to win it, or Mike Trout striking out to lose it, uh, that I, that's how you, if you're writing this for Hollywood, that's how you would have written it. And, uh, these things happen in baseball. There are things that happen that you, and, and you hear people say, it, well, uh, you, you, couldn't have, you couldn't have written that, you know, and you know, you could have, and, and that's more of the point that you would have written that, um, this is how you would have written it. Kurt Gibson's home run in 1988, That's how you would have written it. Uh, you know, Mookie Betts in 2020 being the, the spark plug that won it for the Dodgers after they traded for him, you know, and signed him to a huge extension. Yeah. That's how you write that up. You know, sometimes baseball follows the script that you would have written up. It's one of the things that makes base- baseball so great. Uh, I saw a stat from Codify. Codify? Codify? Uh, uh, codify, probably. C O D I F Y. I think that word's pronounced Codify. I have an English degree, but this might be the first time I've ever said this word out loud. And uh, usually before I'm going to say a word, I look up how it's pronounced. This time I didn't, but I think it's Codify. Uh, he says if, if you aren't impressed, you should be. Mike Trout has had three swinging strikes in only 24 of his 6,174 career MLB plate appearances. What he's saying is Mike Trout swung and missed three times and won at bat. That has only happened 24 times in his big league career, which is now going on its 13th season. Uh, Mike Trout is a great, great hitter. And and he did, uh, he struck out more this, this tournament than we're used to. He kind of reminded us that Mike Trout rhymes with strikeout. uh, And, but, uh, he's still a great hitter and having him up in that situation, having him swing him as three times, I mean, it, it was a great way to end the tournament. Obviously not for Mike trout, not for team USA. I'm bummed for them. You saw that they stuck around in the dugout and they watched the celebration and it's a, it's a sad feeling for them. Uh, but it was a beautiful tournament. It was great for baseball. There was so much interest in this tournament, regardless of what some people say, uh, and, you know, even if it wasn't for you, that's fine. So many people really enjoyed watching this tournament. It was awesome. And the last two games of this tournament were maybe the best two games of the tournament. Japan won both of them. They, they deserve that win. And uh, it was awesome. I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to talk a little bit about what Japan's win means and doesn't mean uh, in the context of what some of the talking heads on Fox said after the game uh, you know, I, people say stupid stuff. Sometimes I got to call it out. That's how it is. So some people said some stupid stuff. I'm going to call it out when I get back. So thank you for ranking locked on your first listen every weekday morning, and please continue to keep it locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by ultimate pro baseball GM. We are really, really excited by our new partner and sponsor today's episode, the mobile game, ultimate baseball GM. Have you ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your professional baseball franchise? Well, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing difficult personalities, navigating your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline. So you can play on the go as you want and when you want to. And you can play against your friends. We have a group going uh, with all the locked on MLB hosts. And look, we know that I'm a better podcaster than Javi. We know that I have better taste in baseball teams. Am I a better GM than him? I think I am. And I think we're finding out in this league. It's so much fun to play against your friends. You can do it too. Set up a group with your friends and see which among you is the best at being a baseball GM. Like I said, you don't need Wi-Fi to play. You can play in the app. So if you're on a road trip with no Wi-Fi or whatever, you don't need it. That's awesome. Uh, So play the game, play it with your friends. It's a ton of fun. And Locked On Dodgers listeners get 100% free boost to your franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com or scan the code if you're watching on YouTube or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM, start your dynasty today. All right, I am back. I want to thank you one more time for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And uh, after the the game was over and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Excuse me, I'm going to cough one more time. All right, I should be good for the rest of this episode. Uh, I've been uh, screaming a little bit tonight, watching the game clear. Uh, so I had to clear my throat a little bit, but after the game was over watching the Fox post game show, it was fun to see interviews with, with Shohei Otani. I love Shohei Otani. Like there's nothing not to like about the guy. He, he's just awesome. Uh, but then, you know, some guys who maybe there are some things not to like about him. Uh, Kevin Burkhart, Alex Rodriguez and David Ortiz, we're doing the post-game show, and uh, I one thing uh, that kind of made me laugh, A-Rod went a little bit too far in his comparison of Shohei Ohtani to Babe Ruth uh, in a way that actually did a disservice to Ohtani. Um, he was trying to draw the comparisons between Ohtani and Babe Ruth, and uh, he mentioned throwing as hard as anybody in baseball and hitting the ball as hard as anybody in baseball. And unfortunately, he also threw in running as fast as anybody in baseball. We had seen it with Otani's last at bat in the seventh inning. I think he uh, he beat out an infield single with elite speed. And uh, A-Rod got a little so caught up in that that he accidentally said that Babe Ruth was the fastest player in baseball at some point. Now, none of us were alive to see that. Um, Babe Ruth's been dead for 74 years almost. I believe he died in June of 1949. Uh, n- none of us really remember watching Babe Ruth play. I think we've seen enough photos and have enough statistics to guess that he wasn't the fastest player in baseball. Uh, Shohei Otani might be, at least at times. And he's definitely, you know, upper echelon of speed. Babe Ruth never was. Um, and the fact is, Otani's doing things that Babe Ruth never could do. Uh, Babe Ruth wasn't a hitter and a pitcher at the same time for very long because it's very hard to do both of those things at an elite level. In fact, it's been impossible up until Shohei Ohtani. Shohei Ohtani has already done it longer than Babe Ruth did, uh, and better than Babe Ruth did doing both at the same time. He's not the hitter that Babe Ruth was. He's a better pitcher than Babe Ruth was. And he is definitely a better hitter than Babe Ruth was when Babe Ruth was also a pitcher. And, and so it, it's remarkable what Ohtani does. Um, but you know he's faster than Babe Ruth too. But then Big Poppy and A Rod decided to make the the World Baseball Classic a referendum on analytics because when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. When all you have is I hate analytics, everything you look at looks like a reason to hate analytics. But you know, and, and Poppy even said maybe Major League Baseball will take note. And A. Rod talked about. He said it reminded me of '90s baseball. You know, they the team Japan puts the bat on the ball. They don't strike out. And and Poppy said they're not playing for analytics. They're playing to win. And look, there might be some of you listening or watching this who are agreeing with those sentiments. So don't take this personally when I say that A. Rod and Big Poppy are morons. Uh, the things they said are stupid. And now I'm going to explain why. Because I, these aren't ad hoc uh, criticisms or attacks. These are, uh, I meant ad hominem. Man, this English degree is failing me. Um, anyway, look, you can't make grand conclusions from one game, especially one game that one team scored one run more than the other. Like, if Mookie bets after McNeil walked, if Mookie had hit a two-run homer, instead of hitting into a double play, would that have proven that small ball is better than swinging for the fences? If Mookie had homered instead of trying to put the ball in play and accidentally hitting into a double play, would that have made small ball better than swinging for the fences? No. And, and they talk about you know the, the, the strikeout rate. Japan just puts the bat on the ball. Japan struck out seven times in this game, 35 batters. The United States struck out eight times in 38 batters. So Japan had a 20.0 strikeout rate this game. USA had a 21.0. Do you really think that 1% was the difference in the series or the difference in the styles of the two leagues? The two cultures? Do you think if Trout had grounded out to second instead of striking out to end the game? Well, that would have dropped the USA's strikeout rate to 18.4%. Would they have won the game? Hey, they had a lower strikeout rate. Like, You can't draw these sweeping conclusions. Japan, they do have a little bit different style of baseball, but you want to know the main difference between the Japanese style of baseball and the United States style of baseball? Average fastball velocity in uh, NPB in Japan last year, 90.8 miles an hour. Average fastball velocity in Major League Baseball, 93.6. You know who else would strike out a lot less? If the pitchers threw 90.8 instead of 93.6, everyone in major league baseball, the reason Japanese players don't strike out as much in general is because their pitchers aren't as good. And then what we saw in this tournament was Japan, their best pitchers were there. It's not the guys throwing 90.8. They had guys throwing hundred. They had guys with crazy good splitters, like their best pitchers were there. The United States started Merrill Kelly in this game. And and Merrill Kelly is better than we Dodger fans think he is. Last year, Merrill Kelly had like a 337 overall ERA, something like that. He had an 825 ERA against the Dodgers. So people like us who only watch Merrill Kelly pitch against the Dodgers looked at this thought, Why is Merrill Kelly pitching an important game? Uh, But turns out he's actually a pretty good pitcher but it also turns out maybe team Japan is a little bit closer to the Dodgers than the Rockies. And, uh, you know, they, they treated Merrill Kelly like they were the Dodgers and he was Merrill Kelly. Um, I, I am not taking anything away from team Japan, team Japan won the world baseball classic for the third time. They are a great, great team. Very fun to watch. And, and they might've won anyway, but Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, you know, you could list pitcher after pitcher who was not pitching in the WBC for team USA, despite being eligible. And and I I don't even mean that in a, like there are like like 70% of major leaguers are from the United States. And so, yeah, they do have a bigger pool to draw from. Uh, and, And this isn't sour grapes. I'm not, I'm not even upset that USA lost. I was rooting for them. I was really, really, I did nothing but smile after that game until A-Rod and Big Poppy started talking. But, uh, you know, it's not a referendum on the U.S. style of baseball when you had the best Japanese players playing against not the best United States pitchers. You guys get what I'm saying, I think. Like, And so I don't know why talking heads feel the need to make everything a grand thing especially when this was just the most amazing WBC we've ever seen. Maybe the best two weeks of baseball we've ever seen. Why, why are you feeling a need to criticize baseball right now? Like we should all be happy. We should have Benji Gill's attitude. We lost, but baseball won. That's the attitude to have at the end of this game. This was a great game that ended on an epic and that word is used too much, but I'm using it in its actual actual definition right now. That at-bat was epic. That moment was epic. It's something that we will talk about 10, 20 years from now. Remember when Ohtani struck out Trout to end the World Baseball Classic, heading into their last season as teammates before Ohtani signed with the Dodgers? Remember that? That was awesome. It was epic. It was awesome. And the need for people like Poppy and, and A-Rod find something to criticize when, and I'm not saying don't, don't give valid criticisms. They made up false criticisms for no reason. I don't get it. And the the worst thing for me is A-Rod was actually a really good announcer and you guys might not believe this, but when he first started, he was actually really good because he, A-Rod was a great, great baseball player. Yeah, he did cheat. But even before that, he was a great baseball player. He, Hall of Fame quality baseball player. uh, One of the best baseball players of all time. And when he started as a broadcaster, he just talked about what he knew, which is playing baseball. Unfortunately, pretty quickly, he decided that he wanted to be serious announcer A-Rod. And he thought that meant saying the things that serious announcers say like stupid crap like i hate baseball the analytics is bad why don't they hit the ball better you should sacrifice bunt more hey and everything about a rod that made him a good announcer at the beginning of his announcing career went out the window because he wanted to be like everybody else he wanted to be like john smoltz and big poppy and everybody else who used to play the game and can't get past the fact that the game changes and and who aren't smart enough to understand analytics, so they assume they're bad. And everybody who's ever criticized analytics doesn't understand what analytics is. Analytics is, let's do the things that will give our team the best chance to win. That's analytics. There are better better, and worse applications of analytics. There are some people who try to do analytics and are bad at it. There are other people who are pretty good at analytics, but sometimes go with their gut and, and it costs them. And to the extent that Dave Roberts has messed up in the posting, it's usually because he goes against the numbers and goes with his gut instead. Uh, analytics just means let's get a bunch of smart people together to figure out the best way to win baseball games. And yeah, sometimes the end result isn't as fun to watch a lot of strikeouts, a lot of walks a lot of home runs, not many base runners, balls in play. That's not as fun to watch sometimes. That's not a general manager's job to make baseball fun to watch. A general manager's job is to win baseball games. It's up to baseball to make it fun to watch. And that's why they do things like make rule changes. Okay, let's speed up the game, pitch clock. Let's let's restrict the shift because it's Major League baseball's job to make it an entertaining product. It's the, the general manager's job, the manager's job, to win baseball games. And that's the goal of analytics. And so when David Ortiz says they didn't play, they're not playing analytics, they're playing to win. Like you might as well put a sign on your head that says, I am dumb. And I am currently talking about something I don't understand. I don't know if David Ortiz is dumb overall. I think he's probably not. Uh, But he definitely, when he talks about analytics, a thing he does not understand uh, he comes across as dumb because he's talking about something he doesn't understand. And, uh, I think all of us should have the goal in life of not talking about things we don't understand, uh, or at least not talking passionately and concretely and hundred percent I'm right. And you're wrong. Uh, because when you do that about something you don't understand, a lot of times you end up looking dumb like David Ortiz did today and a rod. So Great world baseball classic, Uh, super exciting, super fun. Will Smith and Mookie Betts will be back with the Dodgers. Probably They'll probably not play on Wednesday, but maybe on Thursday. And then we're in our last week of spring training. They head back to LA. We'll have the freeway series. And then opening day is next week. So super fun. Uh, Spring training is wrapping up. It's been so much fun talking baseball with you guys. Just a heads up. I won't be with you the next two days. Vince will be finishing off this week. Uh, my son has a baseball tournament. My younger son—it's fun going to his tournaments now after spending much, so much time with my older son's baseball tournaments. But uh, I'll be down in Mesquite, Nevada, the next couple of days for a baseball tournament. So Vince will be handling the last two days of this week's podcast. So I'm sure he will have more thoughts—in person thoughts—about the WBC and obviously any developments in Dodger camp. Uh, one last thing that I'll just mention: Gavin Stone was one of the many, one of the few people optioned or sent back to the minor option because assign not on the 40 man roster. So it's not an option, but sent back to minor league camp. Doesn't mean anything. We knew he wasn't going to start the team, start the season with the big league team. He'll still debut at some point this year, uh, hopefully sooner than later. And hopefully he'll be awesome. Uh, Other than that, Vince will be back with you tomorrow. I will be back with you on Monday, hopefully. So thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. You can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you are not watching or listening to Locked On Dodgers every weekday morning, I would love if you had one or two one or two days a month to your rotation. If you have friends and family who are Dodger fans, please tell them about the show. Maybe they'll like it. Obviously subscribe wherever you're watching and listening. If you haven't already, Uh, if you're a podcast listener, please hop onto YouTube and just subscribe there anyway. Uh, More subscribers means more visibility for us. And even if you listen on the podcast, if you want to hop onto YouTube and comment there, that's actually really helpful too, because more comments, more likes uh, has YouTube promote us more. So Anything you can do there helps us out. Obviously, uh, you know, listen, watch every day, all that stuff. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I am on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCKED, 5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow.